Welcome to Talking In Stations. It's Matterall. Uh, here we have Tiberius with us today. Good evening. Gregorin is here as well. Hi. And our guest is Mr. Rich Richmond. Hello. I'm going to call him Mr. because he's wearing a tie and uh, looks sharp. So today we're going to talk about a rare AT ship that was destroyed by Von Hole. So we'll talk about that along with the monthly economic report for December, which was released today. We'll see what that says, specifically with some wormhole um, reward data that we'll talk to Tiberius about. And then we'll look at the war and see what's going on there as uh, every day is a little more progress in one way or the other for the uh, war that's happening in Delve. And that's what we'll talk about today. Okay. So first I want to say hi to Rich. Uh, you guys might know him as uh, somebody who hangs around the Discord for talking in stations, but also he writes articles for the New Eden Post and uh, some pretty good articles, actually. And uh, he's always entertaining to talk to. Uh, Richard, how are you doing? I'm doing quite well today. Thank you, Matterall. All right. Let's have a look at... Uh, the MER first, if uh, you don't mind, we'll take a look at the monthly economic report, uh, specifically with some stuff that Tiberius will show us right here. Monthly economic report pop up. Yeah, in December, do we have any highlights on uh, what's the what's the what's the big story with this MER? In general, I, I would say um, so. There's going to be a few things that people are going to notice. Uh, first off is that um, bounties are way down. They're they're basically at blackout level bounties. We haven't seen um, the this low of bounties in quite some time. Um, and second of all, they're going to see that you know commodities are essentially going to be taking over the top level of. Uh, essentially ISK income, which is uh, rated as a faucet, quote unquote. Uh, so if you see that graph there, look at that huge plunge of, uh, you know, bounty yeah. prize activity. It really fell below incursions there, not once, but two or three or four times. And now it's sitting, well, it's actually recovered a bit. It's a little bit above incursions because they did make a change to uh, the ESS percentages. I think the dynamic bounty system percentages as well. So it, they may have overdone it at first, but then tweaked it to stabilize it over December. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's only ever been below incursions once, and that was uh, pretty much at the height of blackout. And that was an anomaly. If we back out, we just look throughout EVE history, there's been no comparison. NullSec was the place where you made a bunch of money, right? You can just right. see forever, going back to actually 2000 and. This only goes back to 2018. Oh, okay. Um, I think it's been like that for a long, long time, uh, with few exceptions that I can think of. Uh, and then this uh, blackout really killed it, really put the brakes on it. Maybe it wasn't this wide, right? Because this is the, uh, 2018 is the era of big money in NullSec, and it wasn't always like that. So um, maybe I should uh, go back historically and look all the way down to 2006 or whatever, see how bad it was. But uh, then it seemed to recover a bit after blackout was lifted. Uh, it didn't really reach what it was at before. 
But here is the uh, dynamic bounty system and ESS change. And just look at that downward pressure. So a lot of that has to do with also because of um, this doesn't necessarily mean that it's a, a significantly reduced amount of uh, ratting. I would say that, you know, is, well, sorry, I'll backtrack on that. It may also mean that there's a significant amount of ratting that's um, that's dropped off of uh, null. But a lot of the value of the um, of these ratting sites are actually being stolen. Um, it's it's when I uh, looked at it and was reading about it on um, with by some of our friends over at Reddit. I hate saying that, um, but the uh, the total payout I think was approximately like seven trillion, and versus the total value of the bounties was like seventeen. 17 trillion or something uh, crazy like that, which mm -hmm. means that people are getting a payout of less than 40% of uh, the total value of, you know, of their mining or sorry, not mining of, uh, of ratting, which means that a, a huge majority of it's getting stolen. Yeah. Wow. That's a, that's a good amount. No wonder yeah. bandits like ESS. Rich, you're a bandit. You like ESS? Yes, I've uh, done my fair share of ESS thefts. Uh, what's interesting you might find is also, particularly in the areas they protect their ESS, people are still willing to rat in systems where the dynamic bounty system is giving them less than half of the bounties they would otherwise normally get. They'll still rat in there. I believe I've seen as low as uh, in, in below 33%. So even if they're getting just a third of the value, they'll still do it as long as they feel safe there and they can get their payments. Wow. So it seems almost counterintuitive to kind of what, um, I guess, what CCP was looking for in terms of, uh, you know, destruction or uh, rewarding destruction versus, you know, uh, player safety. So, I mean, it well, maybe not counterintuitive, but maybe going against what they thought was going to happen. Well, there are some uh, systems with high... Uh, banks and high-value ESSs, but they protect them quite well, uh, particularly up in uh, Cobalt Edge and Oasa. Yeah. Let's see if we can get a look at the actual charts for faucets. For those that don't know, um, and this is a much bigger discussion, but faucets are uh, money coming into the game, not from other players, but from the actual outside the game. I think you passed it. It's a little further down. Yes, yeah, export imports. You're right. Here it is. You know, it's like a faucet of water. It's bringing water from outside, and uh, and then you have sinks, which are drains that drain water out. And so that's what sinks and faucets are: money coming into the game, and money leaving the game. And you'd be surprised at how few of those there are. Most of the time, in Eve Online, anyway, money is actually moving between people. As I uh, mine ore, I take that ore and I put it on the market and sell it. And now a player got, um, I got money from a player and he got ore. And so there's a transaction between players. So in between money coming in and money going out is all the stuff that happens at EVE Online where players move stuff around. So when, one of the things that you'll <clears> see uh, <throat> with this graph and uh, also the graph from last uh, from November of last year uh, is that commodities uh, overtake uh, the oh, commodities overtake bounty prizes by a significant margin. Um, 
Yeah, so that's a very top layer here. You can see. right. So normally it's been that bounty prizes have uh, paid out much more significantly than uh, the commodities have. And what's even more interesting is that we, I think we saw this was close to an uh, eight or nine trillion isk uh, increase from November to December. I was expecting a bit, a bit of a jump in December because of the event that happened. Uh, if you remember the, Christmas event was dropping the um, uh, overseers effects as yeah. well as uh, a few other, uh, you know, pieces of stuff that, you know, could be sold as commodities. Um, and, you know, overseers effects count towards commodities as well. So the or com- counts towards the commodities on the MER. Um, so, uh, but I was not expecting such an enormous jump on, you know, of almost 9 trillion esque. So I'm wondering if uh, there's some unknown probabilities here. Um, is it that people are going and hunting ESSs more, um, you know, because it's December and there's a lot more activity, so they're going to go do ESS activities? Or are they doing stuff like going to wormholes and or doing uh, abyssal uh, red loot? Uh, my intuition is that I believe that people are doing red loot because you can consistently get um, on level five sites. You can consistently get what close to 150, 200 mil an hour in some cases. Um, I could be completely off on either side of the aisle there, but I know that it's for some people that's you know pretty high up there. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, and we've also seen in wormhole space a bit of an uptick in uh, riding activity as well. So I'm wondering if people are starting to branch out and explore a little bit more of the universe and look for alternative ways to uh, make money. Yeah, well, we should have a look at, uh, uh, we should have a look at past MERs and maybe we'll do that this Sunday to get get an idea of trends uh, and things, but so you're saying red loot is triglavian loot, right? And blue loot is right. wormhole root, uh, loot. That's that's correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the the triglavian red loot um, counts towards commodities. Those will um, uh, because it's an it's an instanced it's an instance PVE, which means that you can do it instantaneously um, and essentially create a. Um, a vacuum for your ship for, you know, no more than 20 minutes. Uh, you know, it, it could be considered a quote unquote safer option um, for, you know, some people. The only downside is, is that, you know, if you're a null sec, you can't necessarily do it because, uh, you know, it locks you out. And if somebody runs into your system and finds your abyssal trace, then you can get caught. But I do know that there's a pretty significant amount of people that go and do them in high sec. So, my intuition believe is that uh, people are starting to realize that, um, you know, if they want the ISK that they used to have um, and are starting to realize that, oh, hey, abyssals are pretty easy. So maybe if I want the ISK that I used to have, maybe I should, you know, consider making a high sec alt or, um, you know, moving, even moving my main character to high sec while I wait out the war because I'm burning out. You never know. Mm. Uh, Morgash asks, uh, how does Pockvin fit into this uh, economy? 
Uh, well, it, it's probably a couple of different ways. What do you think, Tiberius, if you have any thoughts on that? You know, it's really hard for me to say. Um, I can't necessarily comment intelligently on that because uh, when, you know, I kind of found out that Pachvin was a bit of a, a dead in the water content, I didn't really follow it that much. Um, so Pachvin has uh, their commodity based system, they don't have LP. So in order for you to trade the stuff that you need, um, if I remember correctly, you don't get at, you don't get any bounty payouts for the stuff that you kill. You only get commodities. Mm -hmm. uh, correct me if I'm wrong here. Yeah, that's what I heard too. Yeah. Um, so the you only get the commodities, which then is traded at the LP store for blueprints or materials. So I don't think that this I don't think that they necessarily um, incorporate into the sink uh, or faucets uh, because in a, a large regard that's a that's like you described earlier, a transactional relationship, whereas they get the stuff that they need, they get the commodities, they get the blueprints, and then they exchange the blueprints on the open air market for uh, liquid isk from an interested part, uh, an interested buyer versus, uh, you know, just putting, injecting isk into the game. I think there's something up with Pokvin because somebody that I'm acquainted with, well, I don't really know, but they had killed, uh, recently killed, I believe, over 10 golems in Pokvin. So mm -hmm. if people are fielding 70 billion worth of marauders in Pokvin doing the wild arc sites, there is some money to be made there, but I'm not sure if it reflects on the MER or not. So uh, I've obviously seen the Ikatursa and the Draga Tech 2 Glaving ships massively rise in price recently. So that's still, those are still transactional, uh, that's still a transactional relationship in the economy, whereas they are, um, they're not injecting ISK directly into the uh, economy, it's they're creating items into the economy. So there, uh, there's Treglavian salvage, uh, like you said, but what those, uh, the golems that you're, that you're specifically describing, they're running world arc missions to go and get uh, officer and, uh, uh, faction Triglavian loot from the uh, the World Arc incursions. I wonder if that stuff is you know the player to player transactions besides the uh, velocity of ISK isn't captured with imports exports. I think it's hard to figure out where. Yeah, that might be that might be difficult to determine. I'm not yeah. sure exactly how CCP would uh, do that, or I don't even if uh, Pakvin is even on that system. I'm not entirely sure. Well, even but, on that uh, region. Right. But to answer the, the question from earlier, and this is why it's it's a hard question to answer is, uh, first of all, it's not our cup of tea. We'd have to bring in someone who plays Pachman, uh like Ashtarothi or uh, other people that are involved with that. Uh, second, you, you know, there's different ways. If you kill NPC rats, normally you would get a bounty if you were in known space. And so it would show up on the commodities. Sorry, it would show up as NPC bounties. Or if you shot some stuff in uh, abyssal space or in wormhole space, you would get um, a commodity you could trade in, and then it would show up under commodities. So it would either be an NPC bounty or a commodity. Um, but when you're talking about Pachvin, I think you're getting... Are, are they actually considered commodities? Or are they considered LP I believe that they're considered to be items. They're not considered items, to be right. commodities on... Uh, as as a 
as to the rules of uh, the commodity breakdown of previous MR MERs. Right. Uh, commodities right now, as uh, as found through data mining, is the uh, ISK generated from stealing uh, ESSs, uh, red loot, which comes from instanced uh, PBE in uh, triglavian filaments, blue loot, um, and uh, overseer's effects are the top four that I can remember off the top of my head. Right. I think I'm missing one in there, but uh, those are the main ones that are important. Right. So even in the triglavian space, uh, it's hard to figure out where the income being generated is falling. Uh, but there's also the issue, the, the issue of PVP that's going on in there and structures being destroyed and all that kind of money making that's happening as the area, the region settles. Uh, it doesn't show up on the uh, faucets or sinks. It's uh, money being transacted between players. In other words, I spent money, I put up a structure, a player destroys my structure and gets my stuff out of it. Uh, in the form of loot or whatever. And uh, so money went from me to him. It didn't show up coming into the game or leaving the game. So a lot of Pockvin activity is just not uh, as visible uh, as, say, wormhole activity, right? Or wormhole NPC routing or yeah. Nullsec NPC bounty routing. So that's that's the answer to your question. It's complicated. Sure. Um, but, so, you know, I think the nature of the question is, is Pockvin profitable? Are people making money in it? And I think the answer to that is, yes, some people are making a lot of money. Uh, as Rich was saying, there's a guy, uh, what is it, quad, no, 12 boxing marauders. Uh, he's doing it for a reason. And, uh, you know, Arcia was in on that kill. And um, he'd been doing that a long time uh, or, you know, for weeks, I think. So... I think she expressed there is a lot of money to be made in Pakvin. It's just that people aren't really accessing Pakvin, Pakvin as much as they want to be because you can't even move system to system without having some uh, standings with the region. It's very particular in that way. There's no other place in EVE like it. And therefore, it's just not being used as much, but it is lucrative. So at some point, that will balance out. But uh, it's still it's still pretty much balancing out, even though Pockman happened uh, what two months ago. Uh, yeah, it happened in uh, it finalized in October, I believe. So yeah. three months ago. What is Pockman? Oh, I, I'll take that as a serious question. Let's see if we can just find it. Boop. Pockman, Eve University. Uh, Pockman video. Let me just mute this up. So. Pockvin is, oh, this is a whole like uh, lecture on it. Pockvin is a region of space that is actually um, created. It's a new region of space. It is a Frankenstein region in that it is created out of parts of other regions. So the quick version of this is that aliens came into EVE Online through these things called abyssal space. They invaded, that's happened over the last two years, when they invaded, they started taking over systems and transplanting the sun from a yellow sun to a red sun or a blue sun. Uh, sorry, blue or yellow to red. They were taking it over because they're colored red, right? And when they took over the sun, they basically created bridges to one another. And so at a certain point, 27 systems were taken away from other regions 
And those 27 systems were all linked together, creating Pakhavan, which is a brand new region. It's uh, put together by pieces of other places. And now those systems are not connected to empire space. So you can't travel through them anymore in the way that you used to. You used to gate right through them. But now they're connected to one another and they're semi-invisible. So once you enter the region, then you can travel to any of those systems inside that region. That's how that works. I think Pachman is, is it listed here? I don't know if it's on here. Yes, yes it is. Is it? Yeah, I think I think it is, but where can I find it? Poch, then. No. It is listed here, though. It's, Let me find uh, right next to uh, OP, so close to OASA, next to Placid. Oh, okay, so it finally fit into here. All right, so, but this is not a, a literal view of it. So it, it's not a triangle, but they do it because the triangle people created three subregions into this one region. So these systems are all kidnapped from space uh, and they create three distinct like districts and then those districts have different personalities. Yeah, this goes deep, you know, this is about, I would say five years of lore um, preparation and uh, story development and EVE Online. So a lot went into this to explain it away in five minutes is difficult. There are a lot of people who specialize in talking about Pakvin, but what you should know is it's a region created out of pieces of other regions. Uh, if and you're interested in, uh, if you're interested in knowing more about Pakvin, uh, I did an interview with Astarathi as well as another uh, member of um, for the life of me, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. I did a a special episode um, on the Noikis connection, which is the wormhole episode where a bunch of wormholers got it, got around and uh, talked with Ashtarathi as well as the other uh, fellow and talked Uriel about maybe? Was it Uriel? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, he's um, very and, specialized uh, in this. And uh, we got a chance to talk about what Pakvan is, uh, how it works, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So if you're interested in knowing more about that, we do have an episode on that. Um, it's called the Anoikis Connection, episode three. Awesome. All right. You know, always come to uh, TIS Discord if you want. I'll give you instructions on how to get there now. Ask that question in our help channel and you will get a lot of answers. Uh, I've always, one of the things I'm most proud of about TIS Discord is just how often questions get answered in that channel. They never sit for long before. And it doesn't matter what question because we have incredible expertise in that Discord. So you can ask the most obscure question, it gets answered. Okay. Thanks, going back to MER. I saw something else that was interesting and not surprising. First of all, Tiberius, are you finished? Uh, did you want to come? Yeah, so stuff? we'll do a deep dive on this. Uh, you said Sunday, right? Yeah. So we'll. Uh, I'll talk about more on Sunday. Uh, the the full breakdown. I'll try to get as much information as I can about what the full breakdown of what commodities are, why things might be happening, et cetera, et cetera, and we can have a, a good discussion about that. All right. Cool. Yeah, so this is uh, something I wanted to look at right here. EVE Online Economy Net Exports by Region for December 2020. And what happened in December to put catch at the very top of the list? Uh, Test said they're going to move to Delft, and they started to move. And when you move a ship from one region to another, it is considered an export in one region and an import in a different region. 
it's not just stuff that's bought and sold. It's actually equipment that is moved. So when a big fleet, a giant fleet, moves from one region to another, that will actually show up on this monthly economic report. So what you can see there is catch a lot of hardware, a lot of hardware. It came out of catch 8.57 trillion and uh, moved over probably to Delve. Um, but stuff was moving out of Delve as well, it looks like. Don't know where that's going. I don't know what's going on in Loan Trek either. That might be interesting. Let's look at imports as well. I think this tells a better story, but... Um, Oh, the forge, the reason these are negative is the forge is everybody brings equipment into the forge because that's the region where you sell equipment. So, of course, that's going to be a negative 28 trillion. Uh, also, domain is also a trade hub. So these lower ones down here are mostly trade hubs. Um, uh, Hamitar, I believe, has um, rain, uh, Rens in it. That's another trade hub. Uh, Placid has Stackman, Orville. Those are both trade hubs, smaller ones. Uh, Tash Merkin and Fade. I wonder if that's. I'm, Go ahead. I'm surprised that uh, Sinclair's on is, well, not on the extremes uh, right. because uh, Dodixie is a pretty decent trade hub. And I wonder if Sinclair is and also has the Losec Tranquility Keepstar. Yeah, but I wonder if stuff is built in the area rather than imported to be sold. You know. Yeah, Sinclair's on's up here inside the exports. So, well, okay, so that's, uh, let's go to, nope, this is not the one I want. Import exports, I think that's above what I was just looking at. Yeah, here it is. So you can see the nets, right? Um, imports and exports, and catch has a heck of a lot more stuff uh, moving in than, uh, sorry, moving out than it does moving in. Uh, this, is, uh, this has always puzzled me because, uh, oh, Genesis is in here too. What's going on there? Yeah. Well, more analysis on this on the weekend. We'll look into that. So that's what I want to look at. Um, let's take a quick peek at contracts. The Forge always on top. Delve. Well, that's because of the war, right? The contracting. Look at Delve. That's probably a lot of... Uh, again, these are contracts, so that's probably a lot of uh, equipment moving around from players to players what you would expect in a war zone. Okay, one last thing I want to check. Destruction numbers. I saw you guys talking about this earlier, so let's have a look. We usually start with this stuff up front, but uh, something is going wildly wrong here. <laughs> or something's up. Look at these. Look at how stable these are. Now, these go all the way back to, again, 2018. Uh, so this is a three-year look. And in that time, you've seen, uh, believe it or not, red is not destruction. That's probably a color change they should do, right? That is production. That's got to be the Titan kills, right? Yeah, blue is a destruction. Yeah, exactly. And uh, these are, let me zoom in on that. Yeah, there's no other explaining that. Nothing has died uh, that's bigger than those Titans, but... I believe that's more than two days, right? Because you had one big fight. Let's just say it's right here in the middle of December, which wouldn't be accurate because that that fight that was huge actually happened uh, on the 29th of December. So it should be close to the edge over here. Oh, I see. The, the blue line is a throughput. Um, it's a, an average. 
what we're <laughs> what we should be looking at is the blue the thin blue lines here you see these are the actual events these light blue lines and this is just like the five-day average or maybe even the two-week oh, average i don't know that light blue line's gone off 30 the chart. Day. yeah that's a 30-day average yeah and the blue lines went off the charts up here so uh yeah so basically at the end of the month uh such huge battles happened and there were two of them that they went off the charts therefore pulling the average way up in a dramatic fashion uh for the end of december and beginning of january so that 30-day average how much was lost in those i don't know but uh allegedly somebody did the napkin math uh the amount of minerals that was lost um if it would it would take one person and a coveter, an unbonus coveter, 129 years to replace the amount of, of 24-7 mining to uh, uh, replace the, the amount of minerals that was lost in all of those titans. So that's 129 man years worth of mining. That's just an astronomical number. So, well, until you think I can get 130 guys to mine for a year... Or I can get 230, 260 guys to mine six months. Right. You know, and then you multiply that four or five times and, you know, people have to mine like only 10 hours a day for three days a week. Right. Um, which is what was happening. I, I think that is astronomical. Yeah. And it is, it's amazing how much effort goes into harvesting but I still feel like those battles didn't drain the surpluses far enough or hard enough. People may disagree that actually own those, <laughs> but I, I think you still, you still need to see more pain in NullSec, a lot more pain uh, and for a longer time. And I think we're going to get that actually. But yeah, that's crazy. Look at that dramatic hike. That's just two battles that, that pulled it way up. Um, What's interesting here is the mining has kind of fallen off, which I think the mining... I think it's to be expected considering the mining changes. Oh, did they actually nerf some mining? Well, you remember they did the redistribution, right? Yeah. So you're not going to be not going to see nearly as much. Plus, the wars going on. But redistribution and... made mining more profitable. Therefore, you would think there would be more mining done. I think this. Mm. Go ahead. I think people still need to figure out how to set up infrastructure in low sec so that they can uh you know mine safely in low sec at least in the same level of numbers that these huge blocks were mining at uh beforehand yeah so um i know that there i definitely know that there's people out there mining and works in low sec for sure but i don't think that we're going to return to the same numbers until uh the war's over for one and two people figure out how they're going to uh get the minerals that they need in order to meet their demands uh, in low sec and also in high sec. Well, look at this. Oasa back on top for mining. Oh, that's interesting. So something's going on here because the top four for mining, let me make sure I'm reading that right. Total mining value for December was uh, the Forge, Metropolis, Domain, and Sync. It was all high sec that was pretty much on top i think that also is kind of 
reflected in the fact that tritanium uh, value continues to hold uh, a very uh, commanding price because it's obviously the building block for all sh- all things in Eve. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Right. So, Owasa, so, though, I think some guys went back to mining. Maybe they didn't want to rat anymore. Maybe they thought there's a, a little more money in in, uh, in mining or something. But Owasa tops the list, just barely, over the forge, which was interesting. Yeah, Trit dropped dramatically, I bet, because it was being unloaded to actually get... Uh, I think uh, people were cashing in to use money for other things. What other yeah, things? Yeah, we've definitely sure? seen Moon Goo prices drop um, as a, a consumer price index, or sorry, a uh, yeah, as a price index. We've seen Moon Goo drop because people are selling off their caches for cash for the war, um, and I'm sure that their mineral stockpiles as well are also being sold off for money they need to fund the war effort. Yeah. Okay. So that's one bit of news. MER, again, we'll do a a deeper dive, maybe do some comparisons. I know that Tiberius has more information on wormhole stuff, and it's very interesting. I told him to save it for Sunday, so check that out. Uh, All right. MER, finished there. Let's go to Frederick Von Hull kills an AT ship, the Utu. This one belonged to a member of Clever Use of Neutral Tunes. And Alliance in Wrecking Crew. Thanks for digging that up, Gregorin. Uh, Rich. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, it's not so much digging that up. It's just that I've fl- I occasionally fly with Wrecking Crew, and uh, that that's an Alliance name that I recognize from there. And they they've hold some held some of the Sov and Providence, and obviously that. Alliance name is a somewhat vulgar joke if you look at the first letters of each word. Oh, yeah. Well, it's not vulgar if you're in uh, Australia, I guess. So I'm told. Anyway, Rich, you are something of a low-sec bandit. So what's the name Von Hole mean to you? Oh, no, uh, not uh, low-sec. Low-sec, no. Just a regular small gang PvP. But... uh... Frederick von Hull, he's uh, known as somebody who is very good at killing Alliance tournament ships, one of the most elusive uh, ships to try and hunt down and kill. They are considered one of the greatest game, and the chances of somebody well, even seeing an AT ship these days are quite limited, never mind even being able to have a chance to kill one. But he's uh, had a several, uh, well, incredible chain of successes over the last few years, killing several AT ships, including, uh, well, for... Gold magnates, virtuosos, a lot of ships, all of uh, various different ones from various different tournaments. So, a quick look at his. Uh, well, he is so, the epitome so of the, the space boogeyman. Uh, so, uh, a lot of people who own eighty ships are ever so afraid that, well, should they die to him? Uh, but uh, this Utu belonged to uh, somebody called Voodoo Child, and he had owned it for over seven years before. Uh, it was, well, down today. Yikes. Okay, so let's, so have, you... a, let's have a quick look at Von Holm because people have heard about this guy. He's kind of um, mysterious. You can see he doesn't kill a lot of things on that character. So he, he does a ton of stalking uh, and executing. But when he does kill, it's usually high 
value targets like this Hydra yeah. here worth 144 A billion. Yeah, AT ships and Black Ops usually. Keep right. in mind that the Z kill values of these ships are very inaccurate, and the true value of them are much, much higher. Often, double, triple, or well, quadruple, pentuple. The yeah, Z -kill they don't values. get traded on the market. That's a very good point. Uh, thank you for reminding me. Especially the older, rarer ones, like the uh, the E two. Yes, the U two came out, I believe, in Alliance Tournament eight. So that came out more than ten years ago. Well, I noticed on this last kill that uh, you must be palling around with, uh, go back to the kill here, Lucy Liu, who's very well yeah, known. Yeah, a lot of his kills have Lucy Liu on them, which that was what got me speculating that he's probably Russian, although I don't, I don't think that's been confirmed, but I'm pretty sure he's Russian because he usually has Lussie Lu or some other Russians around with him. Well, it'd probably be uh, easier yes. if they could communicate real time instead of with a translator, I guess. Anyway, you tell well, us, you Rich. See, what do you know? Well, yes, uh, I believe he is Russian. And if you see for the past uh, several Alliance tournament ship kills, uh, Kedin uh, Olenard has been the one to take the last hit on these ships. Well, what do you think? And, uh, is that an alt? You think, or no, no, no. He's a he's an individual player. Okay. Uh, I don't know why he takes last hits, but uh, I've noticed that he does. And I believe uh, Volhog does speak English because he did a podcast episode with uh, Feral in the Lesson Ten Discord, to my yeah. knowledge, where he talked about some of the ways he hunts down eighty ships, the preparations, and the things he goes through just to bait them out and kill them he yeah. will he will make five six seven eight characters brand new fresh and then as soon as the at ship is dead whatever target it is that he is looking for he will completely drain those characters he'll uh and biomass them and then start all over again well, now why is he creating new characters and why would he want to get rid of them well, to have you clean, want to clean clean kill boards for your bait. Well, yes, you, uh, that you don't want a character that's clearly, obviously, associated with you, or quite obviously going to be bait, or somebody who's going to be very capable of potentially killing the AT ship that's warping in. You want them. You want to bait them in. Uh, so you want to use a character that looks either terrible or new, or just uh, just an average person that is going to be your next kill mail. But why would someone in an AT ship look at a new player and say, that's an easy kill. I'm in a super expensive, super well-prepared AT ship. That's the target I should be hunting. Like the, the same reason that a large majority of people in this game die uh, because of vanity. A lot of AT players take great pride in the amount of kill mails that they get on their AT ships. Hmm. That's a that's a point of pride for a lot so of them. It doesn't matter if they're day one players, yeah, or not. I mean, if they're it's day one players, it's a free kill mail for them. Yeah, they're just going to stack the bodies on their, or you know, scratch another X on the side of their ship. Because well, I, after all, TikTok's uh, Chromos with over three hundred kill marks is uh, well oh, legendary at this point. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's a lot, but I see the point. Right, you want it's one thing to own an AT ship, but uh, it could be a hangar queen is what they used to call it. I don't know if they still do. And that means that you just kind of have the ship 
and you worship it inside your hangar, but you never take it outside because you don't want to lose it. And so the opposite of that would be kill marks on your AT ship, which shows that you actually go out and use it, which means you're a brave and confident pilot. And I guess if you're looking for those, then anybody will do, especially a, a, a you know a young, a new player with a low experience. So he uses different bait characters every time. Yes, yes. Uh, every time. Yeah, uh, fresh new characters. Some of these characters, in fact, uh, even hang around in the systems that they end up baiting the AT ship uh, pilot in. The AT ship, in a few cases, the AT ship pilot has previously encountered them. He has previously killed them, and well, this time it proved to be the fatal warp in. He does everything that he can in order to try and make the owners feel confident in uh, their decision for when he finally executes the uh you know the order to to jump on him the ships are well there is a small correlation in the ships uh, there have been some similarities but in the case of say Baltram's imp or uh, sniper bros hydra pavel's uh, hydra and the most recent u2 it's been new ships uh every time and these ships are perfectly tanked and perfectly fit just to catch a specific target uh, so, for instance, this U2, because it's kinetic thermal locked, the ship being used to bait him this time would be the Sinesis. And the Sinesis was an uh, afterburner scram web fit, and he had uh, the rigs and low slots directly to provide buffer tank and to protect against kinetic and thermal damage, which is what the U2 is, uh, well, designed to do. I see. So his bait ship is a perfect counter, or close to it. Yes, and uh, they have various different ways of baiting it. And despite the fact that he lives in Russia, uh, time zone is not going to protect people who own these AT ships. He's killed uh, AT ships from uh, 2 a.m. to, uh, well, midday to 11 o'clock at night. Uh, time zones don't matter. He, he has killed uh, AT ships across all the time zones. That's interesting. So is there, uh, okay, so if you're flying um, a marshal, it looks like he favors killing marshals, which are rare uh, black ops, or a unique ship, which we would call an AT ship or something of a tournament ship that's awarded for some reason, then you have something to worry about from this guy. Otherwise, uh, he, he really doesn't kill super capitals or anything like that. He's killing prized subcapital ships, right? Yes, I, uh, he does hunt a lot of uh, what I would call big game. He hunts after DD runners and people who fly expensive ships. Yeah. Uh, again, for those that don't know, we say AT ship. We're talking about Alliance tournament ships. Those are the rewards for winning or placing very high in the Alliance tournament. It used to happen twice a year, and then it started happening once a year. And then it was actually discontinued, but CCP has since started supporting an alliance open i believe which is an equivalent to the alliance tournament it's just not sponsored directly by ccp and i believe they give out rare ships for that these ships are very limited in number uh, they there will only ever be 50 of uh, each of these newer at ships that will ever exist so these hold value far better than titans 
uh, any super capital or even any faction super capital or faction titan because there will always be more of them but once an 80 ship dies there is none nothing that will replace uh, the one that's lost have any 80 ships gone extinct that we know of perhaps some of the earlier ones that there are so few that there are i believe only single digits and uh, only the collector entity holds some of them. There is uh, a few ships that there's only one exists, so the fact that it exists in his hangar and will not be brought out ever would effectively mean, for the purposes of PvP and Zeke, it's extinct. Yeah. Uh, the, some of the early Amar uh, rare battleships, the Imperial issue, Apox and such, are for the, uh, might as well be extinct for how old they are and mm-hmm. well, the events surrounding them. Yeah, well, we just saw one of those rare old ships get sold uh, recently for, I believe it was over two point five trillion, uh, and that was the Raven State issue. Which Did that I'm, sell? I thought that didn't sell. Yes, it, it's it sold recently. Oh, yeah. okay. It it hadn't sold in t- a few years. It was on the market a few times. It was actually put on the Hypernet when the Hypernet was new. It didn't sell there, and that might be what you're thinking of because it was supposed to go for nearly four trillion. Yeah, I do remember that. Yep. Yeah, but it, a, all of the tickets didn't sell. It was right. Something ridiculous. It was like 150 bill a ticket or something crazy like that. Yeah, and I think they took a 40 billion isk bath just to put it on the sale, and then uh, it didn't sell, so they lost all that money. Was it 40 billion or more? It was 400 billion actually. It was a lot. It was four hundred billion just to try. Yeah, and uh, all right. Let me put on some Discord names so people can see who's talking. But the how's that? But the um, the Alliance tournament ships and other tournament ships are awarded. They're specifically created for rewards to incentivize uh top level players from basically coming back to the game and training because they have to train for weeks and weeks and weeks uh you know it really highly incentivizes that but one of the things that's been a criticism of alliance tournament is that these things are so rare and so expensive that a tournament team can actually um not only survive but really thrive by winning the alliance tournament and selling off a few and then keeping the rest. Uh, These things are uh, incredible fortunes. So this guy, he hunts these down and he's mysterious and, uh, you know, it's hard to figure out how to, how to counter him. Um, But I wouldn't call it. Well, the best way to counter him. Oh no, certainly not a griefer. In fact, I believe uh, he's quite well respected and uh, even the people that he's uh, killed, well, there's, it's water under the bridge for quite a few of them. They respect what he does, and they respect that they were baited out. And, you know, to them, it's it's like an exotic car. You can either keep it in your hangar and perfectly safe, and you'll never use it at all, or you can take your pride and joy out and go for a spin. And perhaps when you go for a spin, you might face Von Hull and have an untimely accident. And but if at least you do that... If you, if you lose it, you're, you have your name on it forever. Remember, there will uh, only ever be 50 blueprints, and they're distributed, I believe, 25, 15, 10, and 5 to the 
winning teams from obviously the uh, first place gets the full 25 but uh j just even five blueprints would be enough to fund that's worth billions and if you hundreds of billions and if you wait a short while it could even worth be worth trillions mm -hmm. i think about that with the faction fortizars which are also now unique uh, there's hundreds of them but they are dwindling as they get exploded uh, all over the place especially in a war zone like delve and uh and legacy space well, maybe not so much legacy space, mostly Delve lately. Um, but those things, if they're if there's only a certain amount of them, the longer you survive with yours, the more it's going to cost. For instance, the Amarian station cost about 24 billion when it came out. And 22, 24, it's now worth twice that in about a year and a half because so many of them have been blown up. Uh, Dracarian or Dracaris, whatever it was, uh, Fortizar. So same thing with these rare ships. The more they get blown up, the the tighter you're going to want to hold on to yours. What also affects their value is just how some of them are uh, flyable. Uh, while it's all fun and games to own, say, one of the rarer older AT ships, despite their few in number and near extinct status, the issue is a lot of the older AT ships are not suited for the time. They're a product of their generation. Well, interesting. And they're not very functional today. So one of the most popular and most desirable AT ships is uh, the Imp, because it's afterburner, it's an interceptor, it deals damage, It's everybody wants one. And because of this, uh, there's not that many left in the market. And many of them have been purchased, and many of them have been killed. And it's by far one of the most expensive AT ships now, uh, compared to, say, the... Chameleon, which is a cruiser, its bonuses don't exactly make it very usable in all situations. So the price is substantially lower than, say, the price of an imp. Well, that's a very good point because these things have been given out over the past 15 years. So um, what might have been seen as a prized ship 10 years ago, five years ago, it could be a lot different than uh, what's prized these days. But uh, hunting these 80 ships, it's really difficult. If you miss your shot, if you make one mistake and the guy... Because these 80 ships are nearly always flown with an expensive pod, the person who's flying them is dosed up with all sorts of boosters, and they're naturally going to be very paranoid and very concerned about what's going to be coming and going. They're going to be mashing D-scan, they'll be watching local. So if you if you make one mistake, you miss your shot, your chances of being able to hunt down that 80 ship and its pilot are much, much lower because, well, they might not uh, undock for weeks, maybe months. Who knows when you'll get the next chance. In this case of this U2 owner, he had been consistently flying in curse for quite a while, and it's obviously uh, the case that he was baited out. Yeah. Uh, to my knowledge, uh, especially in the one of the recent Hydra kills belonging to Pavel, who, by the way, was, recently, uh, was also banned for uh, RMT, and all the structures in Venal cleared. Uh, he actually had a supercarrier and a fax on standby and a recon on grid. And in case somebody could even remotely challenge his uh, Hydra. And Von Hull was prepared for this. He was absolutely prepared to deal with uh, both a super and a fax trying to save it. Oh, yeah. I know a few people who do that with marshals. So I'm not, I'm not surprised that people do that with AT ships. Real money trading is the short term, but I think it's real money transactions or something. But 
Um, in any case, what RMT is, for those that don't know, it happens in many MMORPGs, which are basically virtual worlds, is that things will last a long time because it's a virtual world. Therefore, it's a good investment. So people will actually um, buy your virtual coins for real dollars or real currency. And that's real money trading, and it's against the rules in most games. Think of gold trading in uh, WoW, basically. Okay, so, and the reason, by the way, RMT is such a big deal is because it invites a lot of criminality all over the world. Because you, you bypass uh, national exchange rates, and so what, what might be uh, throwaway money in Britain, for instance, might be a real you know, incentive to, to make money in, let's just say Africa, just throwing that out there. So anyway, it invites, it invites people to, uh, to get, it invites kind of crime into a virtual world, which is very dangerous and it, it is real. It happens. And that's why. Yeah. In another MMO that I play RuneScape, there's a running joke that, uh, the, the the economy of Venezuela runs off of gold selling. Yeah, or whatever. And, I think I think money laundering is another one, right? You move uh, bad money into the game, and and then you uh, cleanse it through ISK, and it's the paper trail stops at the virtual currency. There's a lot of bad stuff that happens, but yeah. Okay, uh, enough about RMT. That's a topic that just never gets old. Uh, let's actually but move. There are Go ahead. There, there have been 80 ships that have died to other people. Most notably, uh, I believe, Gakko MDC, he lost his Tiamat to uh, Fraternity's uh, D-Line. Now they've become a small gang group. It's, uh, to catch one of these, it requires a lot of special circumstances. And if somebody gets a little twitchy, somebody gets just a notion in their ear and decides to warp off, it's you're back to square one. You... Uh, to to be able to catch these, uh, if you looked at the, if you look through some of the dead eighty ships and you do a little bit of sleuth work, you might find which ships they use. And well, if you're, if uh, well, from what I've seen, it's been different ships every time. There, uh, there have been a few ships that uh, have some similarities, but every ship, everything they field on grid, is calculated and chosen just to counter the specific ship. In the case of Baltrum's Imp, it was obviously EM thermal tanked, and Imp can only deal uh, energy turret damage, and they made sure to immediately mute it out because, well, uh, the ships that uh, are related to Mars ships are very vulnerable to newts. Uh, in the other ships, uh, I believe some of them were baited out in sites that they had already uh, set a trap in uh, with, say, a Myrmidon, and then had somebody warp in to secure it even more. It's it's a lot of work to go through with it. It's a lot of preparation that they go through, and it's not easy. Um, I've, I've even theorized how one could escape from one of these 80 ship traps or how to trap and catch an 80 ship. It's, it requires a lot of coordination and a lot of work. All right, cool. Yeah, so we'll look out for those. Those happen kind of regular, on the regular, a couple every six months or something like that. Uh, thanks, Rich, for bringing us up on Mon Hole. And the other thing that Von Hull really likes to hunt is people who are hunting in their own Black Ops battleships. Like, he, he's killed a lot of marshals and regular blops. 
Mm -hmm. All right, moving on to this last part here, Gregorian. Uh, during yesterday's show, tell us what happened, uh, if you want, or I well, can there, read it. The, during yesterday's show, I I was in, also in a fleet that was doing uh, Pappy's usual uh, poke the poking at M2 tech, and we were there was a reasonably substantial fight. Th then, which wow. uh, yeah, five hundred fifty billion lost. Two faction Fortizars died then, but more interestingly, a, an hour or two later, there was another fight where uh, Pappy dropped Dreads in M two tack and won a Dread fight in there because the Imperium didn't want to make a super capital escalation. Why wouldn't they make a super capital escalation if they have Pappy's fleet tied up in M2? Because I th I think what it is is that they their their super capital fleet is stuck just as much as ours is because if they let go, they lose c control and and uh, an extraction is easy if they don't keep that area constantly covered. So their main strategic advantage depends on them commit co committing their super capital fleet constantly to just that. Yeah. Uh, question. Why is period basis on the sheet here? Uh, that's, that's because during the first of the fights in M2 tech yesterday, uh, that that was also used to cover uh, to distract the Imperium so they wouldn't uh, contest a faction Fortizar timers in period basis. Right. Is this another look at the same fight here? Uh, uh, that the second one is a little bit later. Hmm. It's a, I guess, a couple hours later. And uh, 382 billion lost here. That's like 850 billion lost. No, like 900. Uh, there's a, I think there's a little bit of overlap in those battle oh, okay. reports. Yeah. That's still a lot. These are big battles. Yeah, but the second one was definitely, oh, well, most of the losses were dreadnoughts. You know, the, the, the really weird thing oh, was yeah. it, it, that in the first one, Pappy w dropped carriers in M2 tech and didn't get any sort of capital response. Let me make this bigger for you guys. That is a lot of dreads lost. Oh, it went too far. Yikes. Okay. Thanks. All right. Uh, a little more news. HK lost. Sorry. Found. Well, what did they find? They found they, an uh, abandoned Reitaru that was um, full, jam-packed full of uh, some aban an abandoned project to make jump freighters. Uh, I remember correctly, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but uh, this was a renter corp. Is that right, Rich? Yeah, this... Yeah, the... I'm reading... I'll read the after-action report by Jimmy Michaels of uh, Hardnot. Okay. Slice re recently reinforced some structures next door to their staging system belonging to an AFK and now kicked corporation. Uh, uh, Laserhawks and Hard Dogs made an appearance on their Asbel hold timer a couple of nights ago, and their Dicta pilots 
didn't tackle anything, and they there was a frustrating night because uh, Bright Rick of uh, Slice didn't uh, uh, fight, and they retreated. Yeah, they didn't uh, commit to however, fight like they wanted. Uh, on that night, uh, Fortizar, belonging to the same corporation, came out of Reinforce and into Holtimer. A Slice contacted Fraternity to help out, and because they assumed that uh, Hard Knocks and Laser Hawks would show up, they would indeed show up. They weren't able to get an effective form up enough, and Fraternity sent a small 34-man fleet to assist, and Slice formed up a small fleet as well. During the setup, uh, somebody uh, in Hard Knocks or Laser Hawks noticed there was an abandoned Rotaru belonging to one of their Renter Corps in their staging system of F9 TAC FUV. Uh, they waited uh, 30 minutes for Slice and Winterco to get their Fortizard down. Uh, well, they bashed it down. They put two nags on top of it uh, to help it bash. After they fought off uh, a responding fleet, Sorry, uh, there were two, uh, two nags Winterco uh, had put, placed onto it to uh, prevent it. They, After killing the s second nag, somebody had noticed that, uh, well, there was a Rotaru that was abandoned. And they thought it was going to be, there was nothing going to be in there, and they did a 24-minute grind. And then they realised there were nine jump freighters, 50 billion worth of materials, and everybody scurried to loot it all. And they managed to get the majority of the loot out, with the exception of, obviously, the regular large freighters, which they uh, killed on the spot. Well, they had to run out to... Uh, if I remember reading uh, Jimmy's AAR and Praise Bob, um, they had to run out to uh, a trade hub to go get all of the... Uh, excuse me. Um, the Whatever the ice... Isotopes that they needed in order to jump the freighters, for uh, to to move their stuff around and also to get them to safely where they needed to be, so that they could sell it for loot. So that they was were a, not uh, prepared for this. They, they were not. Were, no, <laughs> they were actually very worried uh, that uh, at any moment this could go very south and all of their loot would be uh, taken from them. It was, uh, it was quite a quite a heist that they managed to pull off there. And uh, battle. If you look in the podcast channel, I did. I made a graphic for them, a little bit of a poster, and uh, it reminded everybody: fuel your structures. Here it is. <laughs> handy, handy with graphics tools, huh? It was a little bit of fun. Yeah, I like the content you create. I think you do great, great stuff. By the way, uh, so we'll do a little overtime here. We're kind of done with the news, but um, you were on a show yesterday. That was Trash Talk Tuesday, was it? Oh, that was a bit of a fiery night. And uh, did you say everything you you wanted to say on there, or, or what was the whole point of that? I didn't I didn't watch it, but I just heard about it. Oh, it was a it was a bit of yelling because of uh, a previous quote that I misattributed and uh, misunderstood based on uh, uh, CSM member Dunk Dinkle's uh, CSM minutes in the past. Oh, okay. And uh, he had some words to exchange, and I understand that the CSM minutes are, well, and a, a bit of a bridge and not exactly reliable for the full detailed and intentions of somebody's uh, conversation. So did you misinterpret CSM minutes and somebody objected to that that kind of thing? Oh, he he was definitely not happy about how it was interpreted. You're not the first person to interpret it that way, though. Oh, You're not the only people. <laughs> There's a, uh, um, if 
a bit of a interrogative uh, op-ed here, but uh, a, a, there's a bit of a disconnect I feel like with CCP when it comes to the uh, the minutes because uh, a lot of people have come to rely upon the minutes to kind of understand what the um, intentions, you know, what the intentions of CCP are as a uh, as the CSM bridge between the players um and you know the ccp has come out and said that they are not interested or not maybe not interested they they don't want to continue the current format in the way that it is they want to make things a bit more abbreviated and unfortunately i feel like this is gonna run into some issues like uh you know what rich was describing there where i think some people may take things in a different perspective as opposed to what was supposed to be actually portrayed. But it is a show about uh, trash talking, so uh, I would like to address, obviously, that uh, the way I behave on uh, there on a show intentionally for you know trash talking and creating banter is, well, not the real me, and certainly not uh, where... But what I bring everywhere else. I, well, uh, of course not. Specifically at, for that show. Look at how dignified you look for our... Uh our channel but we're all about something else right <laughs> yes so it's not uh i just wanted to uh make sure that you didn't i don't like it when people uh get yelled over i don't mind a good argument but as long as people are actually exchanging ideas so i just want to make give you room if there was something you wanted to say uh on that but it just sounds like it was a good time uh dunk is a good friend so uh but he's a passionate guy and um can't disagree with stuff that he says that often but but it happens yeah so it's uh well i understand that uh, i made the mistake and uh, of how i interpreted it and it's well the truth of it is very different from what i read in the abridged minutes which must uh must have cut off a lot of details context is everything <laughs> and also i, I don't think I don't think players, um, I think they should be given some slack. There's stuff that's in the minutes and uh, you can interpret those uh, the way that makes sense to you. And then you can have somebody say from the CSM, that's not the way it was meant. Let me correct you on that. And that can be done and that can be a, a normal cycle that happens because we can only work with the edited minutes and they have more information than we do in those in in that situation. But uh, last thoughts, uh, I wanted to talk to you about the the battle of M two. I don't know if we've talked about it, but what did, what are your thoughts on that battle, and what do you think it means for the game? Um, I uh, I hope that people learned their i i hope that people on both sides learned the lesson of uh what's necessary in order to continue with the war i want to see the war continue i don't want either side to be demoralized about what they've gone through or you know the experiences that they had um i have my own personal opinions about it uh, about you know what happened with certain groups but um i will say is that um you know, we're approaching a point now where, you know, these large battles are going to be uh, determined by uh, these large super capital fights. And I 
would be disappointed to see them stop happening because of fear of um, what would happen to uh, what would happen to the server. Um, and also because of, uh, you know, a, what could be perceived as uh, abusive mechanics. So um, I, I don't know what the future has in store. I can't predict the future, but I think, you know, we're going to, we may see some interesting stuff or we may see this, you know, this, um, the large capital fleet fight that we saw at M2, uh, you know, be a once in a generation thing. Hmm. So thanks Tiberius. What, by the way, Rich, was that the Linux penguin back there? I'm afraid no. This is a penguin I got from a British store called WH Smith. I, I believe I got it many, many years ago. I've had, I think I've had it for more than 10 years now. When I was younger, I would uh, snuggle it to sleep. <laughs> I'm glad you volunteered that because I wanted to ask it, but I thought oh, I shouldn't, but I should, but I shouldn't. So thanks for volunteering that. And uh, if you look over there, you can see the uh, sunglasses I wore in the previous show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get all your props. Cool. Uh, Rich, what about your thoughts on uh, M2? You're a small gang guy. Oh. A, what do you think about it? Oh, I'll get yelled at this because I've said this before and it caused an absolute ruckus. It's okay. Uh, because, well, obviously in hindsight is twenty twenty, but uh, even if I were there in the situation, on the spot, the decision to have 5,000 people already in the system, all set up and all the Tido is already going on, it's it's a lose-lose situation because if you if you stand down you've just put all of your guys down but if you try to go in this is what happened uh, on the spot if I had to make the decision on the spot I wouldn't have done it because I would have rather risk admitting that I, I'm not afraid of saying that I, I've made a mistake or I'm wrong or I've done something uh, that I shouldn't have done but in that situation you had five thousand people already set up in. Uh, in M2 and you're going to try and cram well, however many titans you were going to cram in, that's that's volatile that's dangerous It's I wouldn't have wanted to be caught in that situation in the first place yeah I, I can see that, um, but I, I can also see thinking uh, the server performed well last time at 55 right at, at uh, 5500 the server performed okay with 6500 so what would your estimate be if there's already 4,500 in system? You're thinking, can I get another 1,000, 1,500 in there? Ah, the danger is, but you're cramming all of them in at once. You're not... No, no, no. They were not cramming in 6,000 at oh, once. Oh, they weren't? No. They were, but having all those Titans jump in at the same time, it's... That was far less uh, than 1,000 Titans. Far less than 1,000. Yeah, they may, there may the have been support stuff. in so well. hard. Yes, I, I wasn't... I, See, that's the misconception. No, that's the misconception ah, coming out. Because, and I think that's an Imperium talking point. What idiot would take 6,000 people and dump them into a server with 4,000 people? That is crazy because the most we've ever seen is 6,500. And after that, stability just, you know, nobody would do that. And that's not what Pappy did. Uh, and that's I why see. the reason people got that idea is because CCP wrote, if everybody had gotten in that wanted to get into that system, there would have been 12,000, 
13,000 players in one system. And everybody thinks that's crazy uh, because they read it and they see CCP is saying that 6,000 were trying to get in there. But what they don't tell you is when those characters were trying to get in there. And I, I think that is a very important point because, again, the, t the, the talking point from Imperium is we have 4,500 in system. If you try to jump a full 6,000 in, you're crazy and it's your fault for doing it. It's bad judgment. Goodbye. And that's not what happened. Uh, as explained by Vili, it was a small percentage of that that was jumping in first. It was full fleets of Titans, but it was far less than 1,000, I'm sure, plus support stuff. So there's probably some support fleets uh, that went in. There were some that went in before, and they made it in fine, and everything seemed fine. You know, they were tiptoeing their foot in the water. Water was warm. Now you jump in your real assets. Um, so I think when everything went wrong, that's when they said, our Titans are not getting in. Log those off, jump in subcaps to rescue the Titans. And then you saw a whole bunch more. And guess what? Those subcaps made it in to the system as well. The only thing that didn't make it in was the Titans, which is really weird um, and somewhat somewhat unfortunate, right? Uh, it was a risk to do it. It was a calculated risk. There was a lot of pressure to go through with it. Nobody in Pappy said, this has to stop. We can't go through with this because nobody had the uh, nobody had a desire to unplug this situation. And I think that's what kind of went wrong. But I have mixed feelings about yeah. uh, the war, but uh, the, obviously the concern is you don't want to, to try to gamble the war, end of the war, say in a, a single stroke of the sword or a single battle. It's I uh, there must have been a reason why they couldn't uh, continue with the tried and tested strategy of going into the system, entering the system, sino jamming the system, bringing yeah. bringing down the structures. They, I'm, there must have been a reason why they didn't want to do this tried I, and tested technique. I think they got cocky. I think uh, you could see it in the Gobbins uh, uh, talk that he had with his people. He's like, we're going to speed this up. I think they needed to speed it up. People are getting a little bored. So they said, you know, we, we may go after in January, we may go after Keepstars without jammers in system. Because I think they were feeling that confident. And what uh, Imperium was able to do very skillfully is get into that M2 system right before the Sino jammer went up. And that was a big deal. But you saw that Pappy wasn't, uh, wasn't afraid to get into that fight. Like, you know, you had super capitals from the Imperium on grid attached to a Keepstar. And Pappy still took that fight because they wanted to have that opportunity to draw out the Imperium uh, Titan fleet. They've been wanting to get that. And uh, that's why that fight went down in the first place. And when it did go down and the servers performed well, it was a slugfest with, it was practically an absolute tie. It might've been one Titan difference, but when you're talking about 150, that's like not much, right? It's like less than 1% difference in, in the amount of damage. Mm. I think a Vanquisher died on the side of Imperium, which makes the Isk War a little bit more even, uh, but but yeah, Imperium might've taken out one more Titan than, than uh than uh, Pappy did. So what you're talking about is 
is a pretty good drawing down of resources. You've killed 300 Titans now, or I forget what the number was. Um, and that seemed pretty good. And it set up a second fight, which would be cataclysmic, right? Because it would be the next fight. And in that next fight, you had the potential of actually trapping the Imperium fleet because it wouldn't have the Keepstar anymore to rely on. So it couldn't dock and it couldn't be tethered. So it was an opportunity they wanted to take. Uh, and the Imperium, again, skillfully said, we're throwing everything we have at this. Everybody get in. And they got in early. And the people that were coming to reinforce Pappy didn't get in in time to get in early either. And they didn't care because the first people they get into a fight are not the ones that dictate the range of the fight. It's the second people that get into a fight. So they were okay with coming in late, except that catastrophe struck too many people. Yes. On too many people on one server trying to get into another server that had a lot of people in it. Remember, uh, staging for Pappy had 6,500 6, or 6,600. It had more than the target system of M2. Uh, in fact, yes, I saw that number. I thought that's a lot of people. And uh, I thought, uh, how, how many of those people, how many of that 6,500 are they going to try and start pushing towards this uh, battlefield? Well, again, and it, uh, as we be, can see, uh, yeah. as Tide spoiled the previous fight, then uh, that pro god mentioned it's like weather. In this case, the weather has uh, spoiled the M2 fight. It uh, could have been something else, but unfortunately, this is the result we currently have. Yeah, I mean, the end of day, looking back on it, yeah, you could say that's what happened. But I think when you're looking at all the pieces coming together, I very much see how that fight happened. Uh, sorry, how that fight was initiated, but how much the fight didn't happen was new because two full servers has never been seen before. Uh, the Guinness Book of World Record of uh, characters in a system, not fighting, but in a system, was broken by Pappy that day. That was the most we've it's ever playing, seen in one system. It's playing a dangerous game because with a, with a small fight, it's all about the tactics. With a medium... Well, with a larger fight and a uh, small campaign, it's all about... Uh, sorry, with medium fight, it's all about your strategy. With a larger campaign, it's all about your logistics. But with this, with this coalition level thing, you're playing with morale. That's human emotion. This is a vol yeah. it's, it's volatile because it's not something you can really quantify in terms of in-game. You can't, you can't deal with the morale like logistics or tactics or strategy. It's human emotion and feelings. It's... I think that that probably had, I think that that um, injecting my own opinion here, but uh, I think that that probably had a bigger part to play on uh, Pappy making their, their decision um, and than anything else because both sides saw that fight and were like, whoa, this has never happened before. I want some more of this. This was awesome. I want to I want to be a part of this. I want to make history. I want to be able to use my Titan and uh, do some cool stuff with it and, you know, be part of, you know, gaming history. And I think that uh, the pressure coming down from, uh, you know, below onto on high to the, uh, the, the people in charge, you know, even they, I'm sure, were probably feeling the same thing. Um, you know, I think that that just was a, a large exerting force on them to make their decision. 
And, you know, and whether, whether, again, whether, whether or not that, you know, it was a good or bad decision, I feel like is um, somewhat irrelevant in that argument because Rich is right. Because, you know, there's, do you sit back and say, oh, we didn't take this fight because we knew it was going to go bad. And, you know, you have people who questioned the thought and well, no, remember you still had Titans trapped in there and they would continue to be trapped if you didn't take the fight as well. So there was added incentive. Right. It is a bloody big gamble because not taking a fight at a critical stage, even though you've formed up all these people, it upsets them. This is what we saw at the beginning of the fountain campaign during the, like the breakthrough of fountain. Uh, the, the initiative formed up, they, you know, it was, you know, get on, get prepared, uh, uh, get, you know, call off time for this, and nothing happened, and this obviously upsets people. In this case, it was New Year's, it was it was a time where spirits were all high, and they wanted people to get on, they wanted max numbers, and to stand that down, it's, you have people bloodthirsty, they want, they want to get into it, but obviously we can see the effects now. But uh, I hope to see how this uh, breaks out. It, I guess it's an acceptable gamble, because if they succeeded, they stood a very good chance of putting the morale down and drawing the war out in a single stroke of the sword. But should they have failed, they're still in a recoverable position, as of right now, you can see. Yeah. Well, and again, this is an emotional topic, right, when people start talking about this. But what, what I want to get through to the audience that watches this show uh, because you guys, I assume, come for analyzing EVE Online, is that the decision wasn't a crazy decision. It made a lot of sense when you put all the stuff together and when you jump in. It turned out to be a risk and a risk that did not pay off. Uh, and as you can see, it is what we were expecting all along was there would be a cataclysmic Titan fight, and there was. And what was so interesting about the armor timer, the first timer, was that there was so much damage done. It was the biggest fight we have seen since 2014 directly. And it was bigger than that, actually. Um, it didn't really move the needle much because they both went down evenly and they were both able to essentially operate at just the same scale the very next, you know, three days later, two days later. So there's some contradictions in where the game is right now. Like you can have a cataclysmic fight and it didn't really change anything. BTAC-R totally changed things, uh, changed the, dramatically the direction of the war. Um, look at any of the big fights of the past and, uh, and they are, I mean, World War B, the first one, as it's known, up north, there was only two major fights and, uh, and, the, and those were much smaller than these and that, pretty much uh, had the Imperium uh, essentially evacuating all of the North. So these big fights are kind of tent poles. We saw a whole series of big fights, but in a different way, as Pappy was trying to get into in, uh, NPC Delve, and you saw a series of five or six, seven fights, very exciting stuff. It was very much a meat grinder, uh, and the Keep Stars were lost left and right. I think four were lost before the fifth one was planted. I know that you've heard that putting up bubbles was some kind of, I don't know what, some kind of cheating, and it wasn't. Like, I think it was even cleared by CCP before it was done, 
so that there would be no question. So wherever you're getting your information from, and I think I know where, you have to consider the source as a motive to tell you things that aren't true. And I believe it's the same thing that's happening with uh, Pappy uh, trying to jump 6,000 into a system with 4,000. That is not the case. So it takes more nuance when you look at this game to figure out how situations like that could happen in the first place. And, uh, and I appreciate it when, when you guys give us a listen and consider what we say so that you're not one of those people going around out there saying things that are completely inaccurate. All right. Thanks, Rich. I just wanted to, you know, get your thoughts, Rich, because I like the way you look at the game. I want to see what your thoughts were. Sure. Yeah. Mm. I thought it was deflating, okay. though. I, uh, you know, the server thing, I think, is a bigger deal that, that people still haven't really come to terms with. And I think, uh, I don't know if you've looked around, I think people on both sides of uh, the war, as advantageous as it was for one side, I think even their side, some of the some of the players there are a little bit uh, had a little bit of their air taken out of their sails. So yeah, I, I believe despite how satisfying it could be for some people, it was empty. I feel the same way if I kill somebody who disconnected, who never had a chance. It's I get the kill, sure. You mm -hmm. you killed the titans, you won the thing, but it's it's empty. And perhaps you can derive meaning from something that's empty and sort of meaningless. I I don't. I if yeah. it's something that if I feel cheated out of a proper victory, it's right. Right. It's yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It certainly did not feel good to be part of that. It was. Uh, the subcapital fleets to rescue the various uh, titans that were trapped were it was not the most fun fleets that I've been part of, and I do think that the Imperium had a chance if they were a bit more aggressive in the week or so following that they could have easily dealt a killing blow. I think that they waited too long and allowed Pappy to regain enough momentum that we probably do have the upper hand again even with our super capital fleet currently inaccessible mostly but if yeah, they but have things changed on your side you're on the pappy side have things changed yeah. well for the first uh, week after that we our fleet numbers definitely went down a bit and it did not feel good but yeah I I think that if the the Imperium was a bit more aggressive during that time, they could have e they could have uh, had a d decent chance of dealing a killing blow to us. But that they, they allowed us to to recover, and I think that they they allowed us to recover enough that we probably do have the upper hand again now. Yeah. Uh, even though we still have to yeah, rescue this, our, a lot of our bigger stuff. Yeah. I, I think it's made the war interesting. I think the deflation comes from, um, it's a long topic, but essentially the, uh, the idea that the scale can't be supported, um, in the way that players are trying to play this game, but it points to other things. It's not just, um, how do I put this? I think I would have to unpack it more and kind of 
lay out the logic uh, or the the way that I'm trying to see it. But essentially, if the game is going to be about epic war, it needs to be able to support epic war on the scale that the players are able to bring as they coalesce. But what's sad, what's sad about that is that if you reach physical limitations, you're remembering that you are inside of a, a virtual structure that has limitations, and that takes away uh, the aspect of infinity of the game. But go ahead, Rich, were you going to say something? Yes, uh, now that I understand there is this limitation, and that once you start teetering towards here, it could get very awkward, I worry about should there ever be the final stand of 1DQ I, uh, prior to the M2 incident. I was looking forward to this being a possibility. I was looking forward to uh, total final stand, uh, the, the almost uh, decisive conclusion of the campaign and uh, war, and how it was going to play out now, I don't feel so excited about it. I'm worried. Mm -hmm. I feel that it's not going to be so much exciting as it's just going to be just, well, it could simply be locked out of a possibility because of uh, limitations. I think people were, again, both sides, or at least I'm sure Pappy wanted, because I know, I know Vince, and Vince has always wanted that rematch of BTAC-R. He wanted it in 2016, and I'm pretty sure he still wants it. And I think that was it in, uh, in the Armor Timer. And then there was going to be a part two. So I think if he's representative of Pappy's thinking, they want that big fight. They think they can win it. Both sides thought they won the Armor Timer. I don't know if they want that anymore. I, I don't know if they want that cataclysmic Titan fight. One, because it didn't change anything, which was weird. And two... When it did change something, because it remember it kind of fell apart after that, it didn't change it in the right way. Uh, Imperium didn't feel like they won a victory. They feel like they won, but they didn't feel like they won the victory. It was essentially handed to them by a mechanical failure, um, and that doesn't feel good. And then on the other side, it doesn't feel good to lose stuff that you have... Um, in that sort of a way, with no control, with no ability to have agency at all. So I don't think anybody was satisfied with that fight. But again, my thoughts go into, we hit a natural ceiling about a game that proclaims not to have ceilings. And that is, a, that is an identity crisis to some degree. And that's why I think it's a very big moment that we are still decompressing from. And unfortunately, there's a lot of big moments happening in real life as well that we're decompressing from too. So it's kind of Take it over from that. But I think it, it's very Perfect. important to get the history right right now as we document it, as we talk about it, as you guys in the audience hear it, is to understand why it wasn't an error in judgment. It was a risk taken and it didn't pan out. There is a re real risk that now everybody's going to return to the tried and tested techniques, that they're going to do it by the yeah. book. That there's no there's no more fun there's no more craziness they're not going to do anything flamboyant now and that's a shame because uh, you know the crazy the randomness it's what makes Eve Eve it's the fact that there are things out of your control and somebody could do something completely and wildly out of your expectations and you'll just have to play with that and now we may see people just go to well a cookie cutter of what works with making yeah. as little mistakes as possible. It's back to the anaconda strategy of slow, methodical constriction on the side of Pappy. And I wonder what the resistance will look like uh, for the Imperium in that sense. Um, 
but I, I well, but it this won't fanboyance be has caused the mumps of progress. Yeah, yeah, but it won't be. Um, I don't think we'll see a set piece fight like that anytime soon. I think that Pappy got too confident that they could just do it anyway. Uh, and, and, and Imperium showed them that was not the case. Here's a question and I'll answer a few questions and then we'll wrap up. Uh, originally, this is from Agent Black Bear. Question. Originally, there was more than a thousand Titans coming down for the big parade uh, when Pappy made that chain of keep stars. The Imperium claims to have 350-ish Titans trapped. I think their number was 337. Uh, along with 150 that were killed, that is only half of the Titan force, right? And uh, Pappy's not going to tell us how many Titans they have total. I don't even know if they know how many they have total. Um they have a good idea i i it depends it depends if they say uh, yeah they may actually have a good estimate but i don't know if they know exactly how many there may be 300 or more titans trapped as the imperium says in there um when a big fight happens you you don't know how many Titans are on there unless you count them, which is very difficult. Uh, or I guess if you do a D scan, you can find out how many there are. But but they die. Some of them die. Some of them log off. Uh, some of them uh, jump back to their home system. And, and to get all that data to figure out exactly what is where, uh, I don't know if anybody even does that. Uh, so uh, usually a fight doesn't go sideways like like this one did. But I think the larger point is, do they still have Titans? I think they still have e roughly probably have the same amount of Titans as that are trapped or more uh, because uh, a lot of a lot of Titans showed up for that second fight that didn't get in. NC didn't lose hardly any Titans. Fraternity didn't lose. I don't think they lost any Titans. Um, PL, I don't think lost any. It was mostly Test and Brave, if I'm not mistaken, that lost uh, Titans. Mostly test. What were you going to say, Gregorian? Yeah, it sounded like the Imperium is trying to say that it, they ran locator agents on all Titan pilots from Pappy. Uh, I'm not sure I believe that they were as thorough as they they want us to think, though. Mm -hmm. Oh, but that sounded like what they were trying to say. Yeah. Uh, Icon99 says the problem with the Anaconda strategy, and that is like the surround and slowly crush uh, your enemy, which is what the strategy was, uh, is slow and the attackers can't hold it up for more than six months, basically. It's very tiresome. And I agree with that. I don't know if Pappy can survive six months of a slow kill. What, what do you think, Rich? Um... I believe there is going to be a core which will survive for quite a long time. The For a lot more regular line members and the average uh, person, this war is going to start wear, wearing down on them. Can they support it for another six months? I think they could. I think they could. They still would be able to have enough critical mass to go for another six months. It's very committed at this point. Yeah. yeah. I think that uh, while... Goons like to say that they're thoroughly committed. I think that the core goon base that will always be around is smaller than they would like us to believe in. That 
eventually, not so, sooner or later, we'll see the people who want to just do stuff and not have to deal with the war will be start to leave it sooner or later. And I think that their core base is smaller than the core base of Pappy that would be stick around it when that all that happens on our side as well. Right. I think the two like to... go ahead. I would like to address something that's just uh, said in the chat. There is, uh, they have plenty of resources, to my knowledge, and plenty of assets. It's not a matter of assets now. It's a matter of morale. It's a matter of motivation. This is what these big wars, these massive coalition, full-on war stagings uh, are, and invasions. They're all about morale and the willingness of people to log on and keep doing the, what they need to do every day to slowly build up well, the war machine and uh, continue the war. I'm going to jump all over you here because I keep hearing that and I don't think it's about morale. I'm just going to take an unpopular position. It's it's uh, it's not about morale, it's about participation. So what keeps you from participating? Morale is a component of participating. I don't want to participate in a losing cause. That's where morale hits you. But participation... So it's motivation? It's participation. You may also not be able to get into the right ship and then you're out. And uh, so it is an issue of equipment. Now, it's also an issue of skills. Do you have the right skills to fly the right ship in the right way? So there are different components to what wins wars of attrition, let's say, of people logging in. But the, the realistic thing is that it is participation. Can a person get into the ship that you need them to get into for the duration of time that you need them to be in that ship? And that has a lot of factors. It's not just, I feel good or I feel bad. Um, I know it's popular to say that. I've heard that. I'm not picking on you, Rich, but I've heard that a lot. And I just want to say it's more complex than that. You can deny, you can clearly deny your opponent um, a war by beating them out of the ships that they need to use or making at any point it not worth it for whatever reason. Uh, it could be reputation. It could be that you you basically say that your leaders are terrible why are you following them and they may say you're right why am i why am i wasting all my sleeping hours for this cause or that sort of thing i think you're getting at the same we're getting at the same thing i just want to say it's more than just morale it is actually equipment and skills and it comes down to can a guy climb into a ship First of all, is he capable of climbing into that ship? And second of all, does he want to climb into that ship? And morale does figure into that, but it's not the only thing. I think that's why you're seeing so many body blows towards Vili, so many body blows towards uh, Asher on the other side. Um, what they're trying to do is they're trying to say, your guy is not worth it. And I, that's I'm a big not, part I'm not of a big fan of the. I'm not a big fan of the, the whole propaganda war and the such because it's it's become quite vicious and it's using a lot of underhanded tactics to discredit and character assassinate each other. It's, and it starts bringing out a very ugly side of people and the words they use and the ways they, well, go about attacking others. Yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't have much of a taste for it at all. It's not, uh, it's, it's not. And that's why I think I get more upset when I start seeing that leaking through uh, in chat, it's uh, in my opinion, it's a lot of misinformation from one side, and that's okay. You can have those opinions. You can actually uh, 
you can actually hold those opinions, but don't get mad at me for not pushing those same opinions because I feel that they're not correct. How does it reflect on, well, the community and EVE players in general from an outsider looking in? That's also another thing. Like, do people want to be seen as this way? Do we want people to view groups or view the community this way and to, to see that people have these, this vicious game of uh, clawing and fighting at each other's, uh, well, character? Oh. I don't know. I don't, cons- I don't think there's one EVE community. I don't necessarily think it's a great community just because it is. Uh, I think there are some great moments that we've seen. I think we've seen real evidence of uh, uh, of uh, interested people that are thoughtful and and loving. Really, the way they donate money to cause through ISK, you know, um, uh, the way they look out for each other when someone's in trouble, like Pappy. Like, there's a lot to like about Eve Online players. Are they the same players that are talking trash? Maybe, you know, uh, it just depends. It does tarnish. Yes, it does indeed tarnish the game and bring it brings well some people down low. Yeah. So I don't think we're one uh, community necessarily. There are EVE players that enjoy the meta because there's so much about this game that's complex and interesting that it literally carries its own, for us, anthropology right? What makes people move? Why do they move? What keeps them interested? What keeps them together? What forces? What pushes them apart? These kinds of things are all interesting to talk about. It's what we do at Talking in Stations, what I've always done in any of my writings, some 250 articles that I wrote, but even before I started broadcasting. Um, but yeah, it's uh, and this is why you stick to a game for 10 years uh, that keeps, you keep finding something interesting about it. This is a long investment. It's a slow burn. Uh, for people that got hooked on Eve in the last year or two, you have a long, long time to enjoy this game. Uh, it's it's just got that much in it for you. Uh, but I don't know if um, I don't. I think the internet is totally infused into Eve Online's community because in, internet is infused everywhere. So if the internet provides a platform for people to do bad stuff in an anonymous way, Eve has that too. Uh, so I think. I think all communities have good and bad players. I don't think Eve is necessarily special. Although, I'll give this one example. I did see people helping other people do their kids' homework, which I thought was interesting at one time. And that was, um, it was a public channel, or it might have been a public NPC corporation, and somebody said, hey, my daughter has this geometry question, and I don't know the answer, but it's this and that and the other. And then one guy answered, and said, oh, yeah, you just do this, that, and the other. And then another guy answered, and he's like, yeah, yeah, but then you do it like this, and then you add that, and then you, you subtract this way. And they were all working, you know, algebra or geometry out in the EVE channel. And I was like, I'm in the right place. These are older guys that are parents, that are smart, clearly. Uh, I'm in the right place. Do all those guys, you know, come on to talk shows? No, they don't. But those are the guys that I hope at some point to like you know commune with uh, over eve online and stuff like that all right sorry about that long diatribe rich i like your work uh, we'll have you on more often appreciate you uh, staying up late and doing uh, a little vaughn what is it van hold von hold von well hold. i would like to mention there is uh, something happening this weekend that is well for a fairly good cause if you want to jump in and it's fairly for a fairly justified bit of fun and that is uh, 
at uh, 2200 Eve time on Friday, uh, well, people have, uh, are asking for assistance if you, uh, for people to jump in and uh, help uh, fight Snuffed Out in, for the Keepstar in Baskerin. Keep I thought that was uh, Thursday. Uh... So, uh, so not the is it uh, Keepstar or Sotillo? I'm not too sure. They have both. Based off a ping I think this is a Sotillo. Yeah, yeah ah. they reinforced the Sotillo first. The, the Hulk. The hull timer is like tomorrow at twenty two forty, and it's it's snuffed out. Is the people attacking it? So they'll be probably bringing carriers with a substantial dread fleet in support. Yes, uh, various members uh, of my corp and uh, other small gang groups are going to be in this one. Uh, I plan to be there as well. I like to see how this fight plays out. It's, uh, well, one of the few larger fights I'll get into every year, but I uh, do enjoy the larger fights sometimes. So you're going to be helping her out, helping them out? Uh, mm, I'm not too sure. I, I don't think, no, I don't think <laughs> I, I'll be helping stuff out. No, no, no. <laughs> I'll, I'll be most likely be th- third-partying it and, uh, well, uh-huh. fighting any targets of opportune and interest. Oh, you will be third-partying it then? Uh, yes, yes, I think I will. <laughs> All right, well. But you're saying if if some, if people want to help out in Bazgarin uh, tomorrow at twenty two thirty nine, there's a timer. Snuff is threatening to kill a Satio, which is a very large uh, uh, building complex for a group that is basically full of pacifists, um, the Sixth Empire, and they do a lot of good for the community and uh, in various ways. You guys all know the Space Pope. You know Pandora, uh, who also is part of that group. They don't have yeah, a standing she, army, but maybe you guys will help them out. Yeah, most of the people in that group have alts in uh, less uh, neutral alliances, but their main public faces are as the Sixth Empire people, even if they have play a lot in other less neutral alliances. Yeah. Well, I hope to see people there, and uh, maybe you'll get to see, well... Some of the small gang groups turn into <laughs> F1 anchor fleets. <laughs> we'll be watching. I think we're going to cover it live tomorrow uh, before this show. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Good luck, everyone. All right, Rich, thanks very much. Gregorian, thanks for sticking around. Tiberius, thank you for hanging oh, and out. Tiberius found us uh, just 20 minutes ago. Another uh, battle report of uh, in Pachvin of uh, Golems. Hmm. Yeah, we'll check that out tomorrow. We'll save something for tomorrow. All right, took some liberties, went two hours, but, uh, you know, the vibe was there. So thank you very much, guys, and thank you for watching. We will see you tomorrow on Talking in Stations. Look for live coverage coming from Bazgarin as Sotillo is threatened. We just talked about that. We will probably cover that live tomorrow. All right, until then, fly safe. Have a good night, everybody.